Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, January 24th. Happy National Compliment Day. Y'all know how I'm always saying if you can't make the world better, at least stop making it worse? Well, here's your chance. And it don't even cost nothing. So next time you walk in the convenience store, say to the cashier, nice nose ring. Or, I like your purple hair. And not only will you get good service, the next four or five customers will too. You gotta be careful though. There's a line with compliments you ain't supposed to cross. I know that now. For example, fellas, if you tell your wife she looks hot, perfectly fine. If you tell your boss that, then you and HR gonna have a big meeting. Matter of fact, rule of thumb, complimenting hotness in the workplace is always bad. And that goes for you ladies too. Oh, y'all can claim it's all totally innocent, and y'all wasn't really trying to start no sexual relationship, but if you was, what would you have done different? Nothing, that's what. Because what the B system don't want you to know is, all relationships are sexual. If you're sitting across the desk from a big sweaty dude, you're going to relate to him differently than a pretty girl. Moms, dads, sons, daughters, brothers, and sisters all relate to each other differently. Throw in a big age difference, or some of that gender foolishness that's fashionable nowadays, and one wrong move will spin your life right out of control. Because the beast system wants us to somehow simultaneously believe that men and women are exactly the same, but totally different, and at war with each other. But the truth is, we're different, and those differences complement each other. And together, especially in big, healthy Christian families, we're greater than we ever could be alone. And that is what scares the beast system the most. Our reading for today is Genesis 48, 1 through 49, 33. Matthew 15:29 through 16:12, Psalm 21 through 9, and Proverbs 4:20 20 through 27. So if y'all are ready, in honor of Compliment Day, let me just say y'all are really good listeners. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 23rd in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 46:1 through 47:31. And this chapter is titled, Jacob Journeys to Egypt, because that's what he did. He packed up the whole farm and all 66 of his kids and grandkids and moved to Goshen. Finally, after 22 years, Joseph and Jacob were reunited. The last time Joseph saw his father was when he was 17. So they all get there, and Joseph is like, I'm going to go tell Pharaoh y'all are here, and then you're going to have to come meet him. When you do, tell him y'all keep cattle and don't bring up the sheep because the Egyptians don't like sheep or sheep herders. And that wasn't a lie, they had both, and were not told why, and all the commentaries speculate, but it don't matter. It was the same way in the Old West. Nobody liked sheep herders then either, because sheep tear up the pasture land and cows don't. And it seems obvious to me that Joseph's goal was for Israel to stay segregated from the Egyptians. I'm sure it wasn't foolproof, boys and girls being what they are, but the idea was that they'd live apart and become their own nation like God said would happen. So he secured them the land of Goshen and stressed the cattle part of what they did so there'd be no hostility. In chapter 47, they go meet Pharaoh and it goes down just like he said. And Pharaoh is cool and treats them nice and is generous with the land and stuff. And verse 7 says, And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh, which a blessing from Israel himself is a big deal. I wouldn't mind getting one of those myself. Amen. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? And Jacob said, pretty darn old, boss man. 
I've been around for 130 long, hard years. But if you think that's something, you should have met my daddy. He lived to be 180. And something else to remember, too. When you look at a chart of the ages of the patriarchs, Noah was still alive when Abraham and Sarah were born. It's possible they knew each other. And Adam was still alive when Noah's father, Lamech, was born. It's possible he knew all the pre-flood guys. Isaac and Jacob might even have known Shem. So when Jacob says, Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage, he was saying, You think I'm old? I knew Shem. (laughs) He and Pharaoh probably had a long conversation about those guys and what all they knew. And I'm not saying any of them did know each other, and I'm not saying they didn't. But they were around at the same times. And word gets around. And if I was Abraham, I would have parked myself right next to Noah and Shem and listened to every single thing they had to say. I mean, imagine the stories they told. And it'd take you and a few of your buddies to drag me away. And I'm sure all of them wrote lots of books. I mean, how could you not? If I was Shem, I'd be preaching everything I knew to anybody who'd sit still for it. It wouldn't surprise me to learn that Shem actually ran some kind of school to teach God's law. I would if I was him. And if I was Noah, I'd have brought as many of those old scrolls with me on the ark as I could get my hands on. So maybe when Israel and his whole family came to Egypt, they brought a bunch of those old books with them. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob may have even written a few themselves after meeting with Shem. Egypt would have been a good place to store records like that and keep them safe. So maybe when Moses was coming up and getting educated by the finest royal tutors in Egypt, maybe he had access to all those old historical records written by Adam and Methuselah and Noah, and I don't know who all. (laughs) Who all? (laughs) Certainly had copies, at least. And Moses knew he was a Jew and was educated in his own history. So when God used him to get the Jews out of Egypt, and he had to leave all that scholarly work behind in their libraries, Moses knew he better write everything down in one book, or all their history and the law God had been giving them from the beginning would be lost. So he wrote the Torah. And all of that stuff I just said is a big old giant pile of speculation. (laughs) And I got no reason to think any of it ever happened. Except that the alternative, that none of those guys ever cared about preserving their history, is even less believable. Anyway, what were we talking about? Mm. Oh, yeah. Then we have verse 15, which says, And when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. And that might mean there just wasn't any more money left, because all the people of the land had given all their money in exchange for food. Or... It might mean that because of the famine, the economy collapsed, because it doesn't do you any good to be rich if there's nothing to buy, which is a principle of economics, that money is not wealth. Money is only a medium to regulate the exchange of wealth. Real wealth is in manufacturing and farming, but I think it was probably a combination of both. So Joseph handles it pretty shrewdly. He buys the people and their land in exchange for food, but he doesn't enslave them exactly. He lets them stay on the land and continue to farm it. He gives them seed from the storehouses, probably after the famine is over. And all he requires is 20% of the yield, which was a pretty good deal, considering right now, if you add it all up, middle-class people like us are taxed at about 50-75%, to give or take. We support everybody. Poor people and the elites pay almost nothing in taxes. But that's another rant, and one rant per testament per day is my limit. Verse 28 says, And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. 
and he called in Joseph and made him swear that he'd bury him in the family plot at the cave of Machpelah, which had been purchased by Abram way back in chapter 23, and not in Egypt. Jacob wanted to be buried in the promised land, which he never actually possessed the land, but he's looking forward to the resurrection when he will. So Joseph promises, and that's where we stop reading. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 15, 1-28. And Jesus had been going around healing people after hearing that John the Baptist had been killed. Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And what they were referring to was this ritualistic hand-washing that was not really about cleanliness. The Barnes commentary says the Pharisees and later on the Talmudic Jews claimed that when Moses was on Mount Sinai, two sets of laws were delivered to him. One, they said, was recorded and is the one that's contained in the Old Testament, and the other was handed down from father to son and kept uncorrupted until their day. Why they thought that, I don't know. Sounds made up to me. But this is what was later recorded in the Talmud. And those laws are really OCD. That's where we get rules about how many letters you can write or erase on Saturday, or how many pounds you can lift before it's considered work. Now, my understanding is the Talmuds only got written after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, and they couldn't sacrifice for atonement anymore. So they needed to come up with some kind of workaround for God's law. And the Jews have a saying that the Talmud permits what the Torah forbids. But bottom line, if Barnes is correct, this is the Pharisaic hand-washing tradition they were talking about. And it wasn't just before eating, but in coming home from the market or handling cups and pots and brass vessels and tables. And cleanliness is all good and fine, but Jesus' point was that they made external cleanliness way more important than heart cleanliness. So he called him out on it. He's like, you're accusing them of violating your tradition, yet y'all's tradition violates the commandments of God. For God commanded, saying, honor thy father and mother, or die. That means you're supposed to take care of them when they get old. But y'all Pharisees have this loophole that you can make your stuff korban, which is like a tax write-off, in that you devote some of your wealth to God, but still get to hang on to it and use it as you please, and can even annul that vow later on. Since you devoted it to the temple, you can't very well use it for your parents' care then now, can you? So when your mom comes to you and says, I need money for food, Y'all are like, sorry, it's a gift. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, which Jesus says was the leaven of the Pharisees, hypocrisy. He says, Isaiah was right about y'all when he said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, cause the commandments of men are not doctrines. Doctrines come from God. Everything else is just stupid stuff men say. Then he turned to the multitude and explained to them, What goes in your mouth doesn't defile you, but what comes out. And his disciples are like, Dude, with that one sentence, you just undid many hundreds of years of Pharisaical teaching and doctrine. The Pharisees are mad at you now. But Jesus is like, If you think they're mad now, wait till you see what my father does with them. Because every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted, shall be rooted up. He says, don't worry about them. They're just the blind leading the blind. And then as if on cue, Peter walks up and says, I don't get it. And Jesus says, are you blind too? Are ye also yet without understanding? What you eat just gets flushed away. But what's in your heart ends up being what you say. And that's what you got to worry about, not food or hand washing. Then Jesus left for Tyre and Sidon, which were on the coast. 
and a Canaanite woman approaches Jesus about healing her demon-possessed daughter. The country they were in, including Tyre and Sidon, was called Phoenicia. So this was a Phoenician Gentile woman, and there's a long tradition of Jews having nothing to do with the Canaanites. So he ignores her, and the disciples are like, get rid of her. So Jesus turns to her and says, I'm not here for y'all, I'm here for the house of Israel. He's actually making a different point, but hang on, because she keeps after him. And he tells her, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And I'm pretty sure Jesus had every intention of helping her the whole time. And he never said that he wasn't gonna. He was making a point that the kingdom of heaven is open to the Gentiles, that it's not tradition and law that opens it to you, but faith like this woman had that Jesus was who he said he was and could heal her daughter. And that's as far as we read. This Gentile woman is one of my favorite faith heroes. We meet her here and in the gospel according to Mark in chapter 7. She has a demon-possessed daughter. And Jesus implies that casting out demons is children's bread. The disciples could do this and were thrilled. Jesus rebuked them for being thrilled over such a small thing. Back to my faith hero. She hoped for deliverance for her daughter. She believed Jesus was God and could do it. She believed God was good and would do it. She was ready to accept whatever he had to offer, knowing it would be enough. Now that's confidence in God. That's faith. Her feelings were impossible to hurt. She had confidence in God. And after Jesus ministered to her, he headed back to Galilee. Jesus was sent for her there, but she still had to follow through in faith. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 19, 1-14, and that's a Psalm of David. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sheweth his handiwork. In other words, God is revealed in his creation. The very days and nights speak that knowledge in every language, he says. And verse 4 says, Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And the word line is usually the word for cord, which to my mind implies a connectedness and a solidity of the empty space of heaven, as if it were a structure for the sun to live in, like a tabernacle for the sun which is kind of advanced thinking. And along that same theme, he says the sun comes out of his chamber in the morning like a bridegroom does, all fired up and strong, and runs across the sky and nothing can hide from him. And this is some very creative and clever poetic imagery, and it's why we're reading the KJV. And since he just said how the heaven's very existence speaks of the truth of God, he flips that metaphor around and talks about how God's word is the truth of the universe. He says it's sure. It's just how things are. He says it converts the soul. It makes the simple wise. It makes the heart rejoice and enlightens the eyes. It's more to be desired than gold is the word of God. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight and be right in line with your truth. And that was some good writing. If you had trouble understanding what he was saying, go back and read it again because once you get it, it's amazing. Verses 12 and 13, we have prayer against secret faults and that rash sins not dominate our behavior. And then we have verse 14, which is a good prayer and a good practice. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, 
O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We can't worry and dwell on uncertainty and expect our meditation to be acceptable to the Lord. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs four fourteen through 19. That basically says, steer clear of evil men. Whatever you see them doing, do the opposite. For they sleep not, except that they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. He says they can't even sleep at night unless they've done something to hurt somebody. The path of the just is as the shining light, but the way of the wicked is as darkness. They're so blind and stupid, they don't even know what's tripping them up. And that's not always obvious. When I was in mental health, one thing I learned early on was that crazy people always know they're crazy, but they never know why. They know something's wrong, because number one, people been telling them they're crazy for years. But also, they can look at their lives and see what kind of shambles they made of it. Like, the power's getting cut off, and the guy they're stalking has a restraining order against them, and they know that most people don't have these problems. But as soon as you try to analyze it with them, and say, why couldn't you pay your power bill? Well, it's because I was in jail. Well, why'd you go to jail? Because Jimmy's boss wouldn't let me see him when I went to his office, so I drove through the front window. I mean, what did he expect would happen? Well, the boss probably expected you to leave and not cause trouble. Oh, what, so I'm just supposed to let him mistreat me like that? You're crazy if you think I'm going to put up with that. I'm not crazy, you're crazy. And that's pretty much what a mental health career is like right there. And evil people are the same way. They never believe they're evil. They're the good guys, so it justifies every evil thing they do. Like most people who work for Planned Parenthood genuinely believe killing babies is the right thing to do. In fact, the best way to write a villain in a story is to make him think he's the hero. And the Bible says that some folks believe that killing Christians and Jews is in fact doing the Lord's work. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. I have started a mini little study of the types of bread in the Bible. And here is the list so far. Bread is called the word of God, the body of Christ, idleness, deceit, wickedness here in this passage, and earlier, children's bread. What kind of bread am I consuming the most of? But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 24th is Genesis 48.1 through 49.33. And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself, and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, and will multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same is Bethlehem. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons, and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons, whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them, and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. 
And lo, God hath shewed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees. And he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die. But God shall be with you, and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. Chapter 49 And Jacob called unto his sons, and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together, and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defiledst thou it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for an haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. Issachar is a strong ass, couching down between two burdens. And he saw that the rest was good, and the land it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant unto tribute. Dan shall judge his people, as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path, that biteth the horse's heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Out of Asher his bread shall be fat, and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him, and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, 
and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors, unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is it that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Every one according to his blessing he blessed them, and he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And our reading in the New Testament for January 24th is Matthew 15:29 through 16:12. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered, when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him, and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness, as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and gave thanks, and brake them, and gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they that did eat were four thousand men, beside women and children. And he sent away the multitude, and took ship, and came into the coasts of Magdala. Chapter 16 The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempted, desiring him that he would shew them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they, how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread. 
but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Our reading in Psalms for January 24th is Psalm 20, 1-9. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings, and accept thy burnt sacrifice. Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God will we set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven, with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. And our reading in Proverbs for January 24th is Proverbs 4, 20-27. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And that's it for the 24th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Ruth 120, which says, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on the restoration of hope, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, often this fallen world seems like it consists of nothing but trials and tribulations. It's easy to feel so oppressed and troubled from every side that it affects our very souls. Like Naomi, whose name meant pleasant, but after losing her husband and sons and everything she had, changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. But also like Naomi, we have hope in you, Lord. And like Naomi, whose bitterness was eventually restored to pleasantness, if we but cling to you, we also will emerge victorious. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawning I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody that's listening, and let this podcast be some kind of help to them. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, what I really need for you to do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squaw and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. So if y'all are ready, besides fellas, sometimes what sounds complimentary in your head ain't. Like saying, you look nice, did you do something different? Or, how are you still single? Or, you don't sweat much for a big girl. Probably won't land how you think.